This is Jeff T from the Club 520 Podcast. When it comes to your feet, eBay's got your back. When you see the blue check mark that says authenticity guaranteed, that means real experts are checking your sneakers. Every stitch, down to the sole. They even smell them because nothing says fresh like the scent of real kicks. So kick back and relax. From the drop to your doorstep, eBay doesn't play games with your sneaker game. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal with eBay authenticity guaranteed. Visit ebay.com for terms. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Darwin. Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Breber. Alongside me is Logan Camden. And today, we're going to kick things off answering some true or false questions about the NFL. This is a segment that we like to lean on here. Leads to some good discussion. And we do have some pretty pressing questions at this point in the season as we head towards the playoffs. So, one of the biggest ones that we've been talking about all year is... Is Carson Wentz the guy? And it seems that recently the Eagles have leaned towards no as far as where they stand on that issue. So, Logan, true or false? Jalen Hurts, Carson Wentz replacement, is the Eagles' long-term option at quarterback. Well, I'm going to go with false for right now, but I definitely think the Eagles have to use these last three games as a uh, just a trial period to see what they have. I think Hurts would have been the best option Uh, This entire season, looking back, just with all the offensive line issues they've had, they ran the ball extremely well against a stout Saints run defense. Uh, Hurts ran for 100 yards. He didn't do a whole lot through the air, but uh, it was a much more complete game than we've seen out of the uh, interception leader in the NFL and Carson Wentz this year. So um, I'm going to go false for right now just because I think it's a little early to jump into this Hurts conversation. That being said, if the Eagles want to make this decision, they'd have to do it before March 20th if they don't want to take a brutal cap hit on that huge, massive Carson Wentz contract. Uh, I think it's an interesting thing to look at. Wentz's mechanics have been off this entire season. His confidence has looked shot uh, during the entire year. I think there are mental things. I think there needs to be a lot of evaluation that goes into this. But that being said, I just think it's a little early to jump the gun on this conversation after one really good Jalen Hurts performance. I think Carson Wentz is certainly the more talented option of the two. However, everything has just spiraled out of control for him in Philly, and it feels like he's done regardless. So then the question to me is, is it Jalen Hurts or is it some future amorphous draft pick? For now, I'm going to slightly lean with this is true. He is the long-term option. Generally, I'm in favor of taking these high-ceiling guys you can really envision being your franchise quarterback, guys who can possibly propel you to a Super Bowl. I don't know if Hurts is quite at that level. He doesn't really have that kind of jaw-dropping talent in my eyes, but 
He does a lot right. He was really composed in the pocket in his debut, hung in there, took some hits, made some throws, didn't dart out of there too quickly, although he could get out of there when he needed to, had good feel for the pocket, was able to make quick decisions for the most part, and pretty accurate throws. Now, it was an offense that was geared towards some of his limitations as a rookie quarterback. He was throwing a lot of screens and short passes, but that's all it takes sometimes, and that's what a lot of NFL offenses look like right now. Look at Derek Carr, who has had a pretty impressive statistical season on a good football team. He's not launching the ball downfield all that much, occasionally to Nelson Aguilar, but it's a lot of checkdowns. There's a lot of quick-hitting offense, and that's just the most efficient thing. Look at Drew Brees. Obviously, exceptional accuracy and timing, but the man can't throw the ball downfield anymore, and he is still able to thrive. And then what really instills more confidence for me with him is just his feet, which is a whole other weapon. And it's not like he has exceptional jump-off-the-screen speed, like some of the top-tier guys that we have at the quarterback position do right now. But you saw that they were just feeding him the ball, 18 carries for 106 yards. He's a smart runner, and that is always another dimension that you love for your quarterback to have. And we saw it get exploited at a really high level with Marcus Mariota just last night where he was gashing the Chargers with his feet because there's that constant threat. And he was also not throwing the ball downfield all that much. It was a lot of checkdowns, quick passes, and then killing people with his feet. So... Really, this is dependent on how good is the roster around them. If you give Jalen Hurts a great all-line, a great receiving core, and a great defense, then I think he can be the guy. Currently, they are very far from that status, but I think that we saw enough good stuff to say he's probably a starter in this league long-term. I just don't know if he's a kind of starter who bounces around or if he's the guy who's a franchise starter with one team for a long time. If you were the GM of the Eagles, are you cutting or trading Wentz before that deadline? I don't think anyone is going to be eager to take him on in a trade and absorb that contract. So I think that I'm probably cutting him, which is crazy considering where I started this season. But I don't know if you're going to get value for Carson Wentz right now. And part of the reason is quarterbacks are so abundant in this league right now. Almost every team is at least content with their quarterback situation. And if their quarterback isn't good, it's a young guy who they just invested in significantly. So I don't know if the market is there. What about like like a team like Indianapolis doesn't doesn't uh, strike you as the destination? Because I think they fit pretty well. Yeah, well, that's certainly interesting. I guess it's just a question of how much do they value a couple more years of Phillip Rivers versus a real project at this point in Carson Wentz, where maybe the ceiling is higher, but the man that we saw a couple years ago seems to be gone right now, and maybe a decent amount of that is due to situation, but we really won't know until he gets out of Philly. Okay. Speaking of quarterback situations, these are a couple teams that maybe wish they were doing a little bit better there. True or false, Logan, the Jacksonville Jaguars, who have now lost 12 straight games, are as bad as the winless New York Jets. I'm going to go false. I mean, the Jaguars are bad. They're not New York Jets bad, man. The Jets, this season, I mean, the Jets are up there for worst NFL team of all time. We don't have to—it's kind of obvious at this point they haven't won a game, but— 14 points per game is how much they're scoring with this offensive mastermind and Adam Gase. They're allowing 30 points per game. They have the 31st ranked pass defense and the 32nd ranked pass offense. They've been abysmal on both sides of that. Now, their run defense and running game has been a little better, but uh, they've just been horrible in all facets of offense. My favorite 
Adam Gase offensive stat this year, Carson. They have the worst red zone percentage in the NFL with 40%. That's 12 touchdowns in 30 red zone attempts. You get absolutely no offense out of New York. When you go to Jacksonville, however, when they play Gardner Minshew, he's kind of been a competent quarterback. 14 touchdowns, 2,000 yards, only five interceptions when they've gotten him on the field instead of turning it over to Jake Luton and Mike Glennon. Um, and they also have a really uh, great, I think, young, uh, a lot of young options uh, offensively. James Robinson this year, undrafted rookie, 1,000 yards. And then when you talk about weapons, LaVisca Chenault, another rookie who has had uh, some peaks and valleys, but overall he's looked pretty solid, 400 yards. DJ Chark, another guy up there, uh, and Keelan Cole, two young, big, athletic, physical receivers. Uh, I think the Jaguars, they're really bad because they've lost 12 straight. Uh, there's levels to this, though. I agree. I don't really think this one is all that close. It's false. Just because you've lost 12 straight games doesn't mean you've done it in as spectacular of a fashion as the New York Jets have, where they're almost never competitive, and when they are competitive, they blow it in miraculous fashion. The point differential, it's minus 9.4 for the Jags, very bad. It's minus 16.1 for the Jets, all-time horrible to where we will be talking about this team as one of the truly worst of all time. And if you look at the Jags, four of their last six losses are by four points or less, and some of those are against very legitimate teams. The Vikings, they took to overtime, and that's a team that is in the playoff hunt. The Browns, they lost to on a failed two-point conversion. The Packers had to go down the field late in that game and beat them in a one-score contest. So they're just in a different level. They have easily, to me, an advantage at the quarterback position. I think the Gardner Minshew... Maybe you would want to improve upon, but it's certainly at least a serviceable starting quarterback. I think his career touchdown-interception ratio is 35-11, to 11, which, if you extrapolate that over a larger sample size, would put him among the best of all time, and that is just partly the NFL that we're living in right now. But he is solid. He's respectable. Robinson is the most talented skill position player on either of these teams, and the receiving core is decidedly better, and the defense isn't quite as god-awful. So... I agree across the board. The Jags are on a different level. They may be in a tier of their own. Maybe lump the Bengals in there with just the absolute worst of the league, but the Jets remain in a class of their own. Okay, we just touched on this team with the Jags. Maybe should have performed a little bit better in that game, but over the past few weeks have really put some people on notice, perhaps ourselves included. It's the Cleveland Browns who have been putting up points with ease, Logan. True or false, the Browns have a top five offense in football right now. I'd say borderline true. I mean, either way, they're really close. I think it's tough to go top five just with Seattle, uh, Kansas City, Green Bay, and then teams like uh, Tennessee and Buffalo with what they've done offensively this year. But uh, I would say they're up there with, with teams like Buffalo or Tennessee. Uh, they're 10th and 4th quarter points this year with 103 points scored, and they're 3rd in total rushing yards. So I, I think... But this Browns team really depends on Nick Chubb. Kevin Stefanski's play calling is all dependent on what Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb can get going in the backfield. But it's really, it is just a perfectly run West Coast offense. I, I just think it's a John Gruden offense on steroids. They got a lot of different play action plays out of the same formations, uh, a lot of screen passes. And that's why I think you take a look at Baker Mayfield and the epitome of a West Coast offense, the yards per completion. You're either taking big shots or you're going underneath. Baker's fifth in yards per completion this year. And that's why I think when you have Hunt or Chubb in the backfield, it really doesn't matter who's getting these targets. If it's Njoku, if Hunt's getting involved in the receiving game, if it's Higgins, um, whoever it is, they're going to eat just because you have to. You saw it in the Ravens game. The Ravens were forced to put seven or six, uh, six to eight guys in the box every time with Chubb in the backfield. You have to sell out because you have to stop him. He's top five in rushing yards. He's top ten in rushing touchdowns. If you don't put those guys in the box, you're toast. So 
this Browns offense has been volatile. It's been explosive at times. I mean, we've also seen these games where they've put up six points, but if they get going, they're unstoppable. I think you just touched on one of the key parts of this conversation, the inconsistency. The Browns have scored 32 or more points seven times this year, which is half of their games, very impressive, more than half of their games, but they've also played three games in which they've scored seven points or less, which you really don't generally see from an elite offense. I actually am going to say I think that this is true in spite of that, just because it's been a while since they've had one of those sputtering performances, and those were games in which they faced off against top teams and they couldn't establish the run early. And I believe at least one of them was without Nick Chubb, which I also think is significant. And then Baker just could not throw them back into the game. But these last three weeks, they have 450 or more yards of offense each time. They've scored 37 points per game. And to me, the top five is really the teams you mentioned. It's Chiefs, Bills, Packers. And then I think you can take your pick of Seahawks or Titans and Browns. The reason I say that is I think that the Titans obviously have a very similar formula to what the Browns do. And it's tough to argue between the two. We saw the Browns win the day just a couple weeks ago, but they are such similar teams as we've touched on. I think the Titans probably have the advantage at the quarterback position, although Baker has come a long way in these past few weeks when he has been playing much better. I think the Browns probably have the slight advantage in the run game just because they have two dudes who can be your bell cow backs and who can break a game wide open at a moment's notice. And I think that they might have the slightly better O-line when it comes to specifically run protection. And a lot of that comes from Jack Conklin, formerly of the Tennessee Titans. So if you look at that run game, over 2,000 yards, 16 touchdowns, 4.9 yards per carry for the Titans. Baker, as you mentioned, has been efficient. He's only taken 17 sacks this year. So part of it is that the pass protection is much improved. Part of it is that they're just getting the ball out of his hands so much quickly, quicker as opposed to when he had to try and play hero ball last season. So it's a completely different Browns team than what we saw obviously last season. It is a very similar Browns team to the Tennessee Titans, but they are moving the football effortlessly week in, week out. The problem is teams move it effortlessly on them as well, and we saw that in their matchup against the Baltimore Ravens, but nevertheless, I think that the Browns are truly one of the league's best on that end. Speaking of the league's best on that end, we have maybe the greatest player to ever play football as far as pure talent, Patrick Mahomes. Logan, True or false, Mahomes is definitively the MVP this year. It's really close. I'm going to go false because while I think Mahomes is the MVP this season, he has been electric. I think there's a lot of guys who are still really close up in that conversation. The first guy I'm going to mention is my preseason pick and your starting quarterback. I think Josh Allen has to be in this conversation. I don't know why people have just dropped off and acted like, uh, oh, it's, it's Pat Mahomes' award to lose. It's not. If Allen wins out, Look at his resume. 34 touchdowns, 9 interceptions this year, over 3,000 yards, and the Bills don't really have a running game outside of Allen. I mean, Singletary and Moss have been spotty, but when you're talking about elite offenses and the Bills being up there, I think Josh Allen has to be. If he wins out, this is a, a really close conversation because the Bills will be sitting at 13-3 and where... You know, a lot of people had them 10-6, and 9-7, and seven, really close. I think another guy that you have to mention in this conversation, uh, Aaron Rodgers, of course, he has been perfect outside of a game against the Buccaneers and uh, a few bad balls against, uh, I'd say, Indianapolis. Uh, Rodgers has been spotless. So uh, 34 touchdowns, uh, 39 touchdowns, excuse me, four interceptions. He's one of, I, he's the only quarterback to throw uh, over 40 touchdowns and under 10 interceptions. He is just remarkable at holding on to the football and not turning it over. That's why the Packers have won football games. And then I think outside of Mahomes, I think you have to bring up a guy like Russell Wilson. 
I know we've seen some really bad games out of Russ this year. We saw a horrid performance against Buffalo, against Los Angeles, but when he's not turning the football over, when he is hitting his marks, there's no better deep ball thrower in the NFL, in my opinion, than Russell Wilson. I, I think you can even throw Patrick Mahomes in there. Russell's the best. So it's close. It is a really hard race to choose between, but uh, I'm going to lean Mahomes as my pick, but those three guys are right on his heels, and if Mahomes drops another game, if he doesn't end up with the one seed, all three of these guys are pretty valid options. I think the key word here is definitively, and that is why I'm going to say false. I think Mahomes is the MVP. I think for Allen or Wilson to make up ground on him at this point would be really hard and pretty unlikely in my opinion because he's having this insane season, and as of a week ago, could have been on pace for the greatest quarterback year ever until he had that three-interception performance, but still, over 4,200 yards, so he's on pace to easily eclipse 5,000, over 68% completion, 33 touchdowns to five picks, and of course, a 12-1 and record. It is pretty likely to end up at 15-1, and and they will be definitively the best team in football, he their best player, and the best quarterback in the league. The only reason I can say that this isn't a sure thing to me is because right now, there is a man having a better statistical season, and that is Aaron Rodgers, who has thrown 39 touchdowns to four interceptions, completing almost 70% of his passes, a 10-3 and record with three very winnable games remaining, so they could very reasonably end up at 13-3, and and he is leading the league in touchdown percentage, adjusted yards per attempt, passer rating, QBR. The man is having, for the guy who previously, before Mahomes came into existence, we called the greatest quarterback talent of all time, he is having his greatest season of all time probably at age 37, which is just unreal. So, I would lean Mahomes. I think that the eye test tells you that he is certainly still better. I think that he is on the better team, and that is largely because of him. So they have the better record. If his numbers are essentially equal to Rodgers, I think that it's a relatively easy decision for me. However, right now, his numbers are slightly inferior, and I think that Rodgers has to certainly be considered seriously in this conversation because what he is doing is absolutely insane, and the fact that either of these guys might not win the MVP just speaks to the caliber that we have at the quarterback position in the NFL right now where these dudes are doing things that we have just never seen done. Okay, so that wraps up true or false. Now, Logan, we're going to reshape a segment that we already did on last week's show. We called it contenders versus pretenders, but really the topic of conversation was can each of the teams that we discussed win a playoff game? Today, we're going to reprise that and take it up a notch with can these teams win the Super Bowl? So, Let's kick off this conversation with a team that I have become very high on, that a team that I am obviously a supporter of, the Buffalo Bills. Logan, can they win the Super Bowl? Yeah, the Buffalo Bills can win the Super Bowl. Now, I think that there are some certain uh, deficiencies that they're going to have to focus on. I think they get a, they need to get a little more pressure at the quarterback, and they need to become better at getting teams off during third down. They're 18th uh, currently in third down conversion defensively. Uh, it's just not a rate that you want. You need to have a, a defense that can get teams off the field. That being said, Josh Allen and this offense have been, you know, top five. They are second at converting third downs, which is pretty much, you know, the most important aspect of football, staying on the field, keeping drives alive. So, uh, I think the Bills can win the Super Bowl, Carson, but I think Josh Allen has to play at an MVP level. I mean, we saw what they did to the Miami Dolphins. They put up 31. They put up 35 on the Rams. He threw for 300 yards, over uh, four touchdowns. On the Patriots, they put up 24. Uh, Seattle, they put up 44. I mean, this team puts up points. Allen, every single game of the playoffs, has to show up because if he doesn't, you're relying on Devin Singletary. You're relying on Zach Moss to get the ground game going. And... Basically, Josh Allen is this entire offense. I mean, 
I don't think, Carson, I don't think I've seen a team like this, and I know I've made this comparison to you before. I don't think I've seen an offense carried like this since Cam Newton of 2015. I mean, Josh Allen has that impact on this game. So uh, if Allen shows up week to week, I think it's there. I think defensively the Bills are off as well because of their secondary. Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, Trey White, I will say, Definitively the second best secondary in the NFL this season, I think only behind the Miami Dolphins. Um, and you've got some really good linebackers in Tremaine Edmonds and A.J. Klein. The pass rush needs to be a little better, and this defense needs to be overall better on third down. But offensively, if Allen is there, this team has a shot to win the Super Bowl. I think obviously the reason they are in this discussion is because of Josh Allen and this offense, which is just firing on all cylinders. The throws that this guy is making consistently making good decisions with regularity, making accurate throws. He is absolutely a top-five quarterback in the league, and if you think otherwise, then I would like to have a long, hard discussion with you about why you are not watching enough Buffalo Bills football because this man is flat-out special, and his progression from year two to year three is unbelievable, and if there was a Most Improved Player Award in the NFL, I think he would be the runaway candidate. So the offense is the reason that they are at this tier, but I think that a key component in why they have become more legitimate in this discussion is my, in my eyes is that they have started to look like a more complete team these past two weeks when they have played eight good quarters of football, really. I guess not the start of the game against the Steelers, but these complete games where they are in control for the majority against good teams or at the very least solid teams in the 49ers. And a lot of that is on the defensive end where at the beginning of the season, they were very shaky, particularly against the run where they were disastrous. These last three weeks, they've allowed 76, 86, and 47 rushing yards, respectively. Might as well be elite there at this point. Now, I don't know if that holds, but the linebacking core is healthier. This unit has gotten more cohesion together, and they just seem more locked in right now. They're playing at a higher level. They're forcing turnovers, which they have done in eight straight games. You talked about how incredible the secondary is, but this team will go with Josh. I will say as far as other quarterbacks who are just single-handedly carrying their team's entire offense, I think Russell Wilson is comparable. Maybe he doesn't do quite as much in the run game, but he was his team's leading rusher for quite some time this season and might still be. But what Josh is doing is flat-out special. This receiving core especially if John Brown comes back healthy, is right up there with the absolute best in football. This group is just unreal. And if the Bills can't win the Super Bowl, then I would argue nobody besides the Kansas City Chiefs can because I think the Bills are the second best team in football right now. I think that they've proven that. There were inconsistencies earlier in the year, but they are a Hail Murray away from being on a seven-game win streak with some convincing wins over some really good teams. And they are just looking better than they ever have in this century, obviously. They are playing phenomenal football. Okay, let's talk about a team that has done some exceptional things as well. I have remained a little bit skeptical of the Green Bay Packers. Can they win the Super Bowl? I mean, yeah, I think when you look at the last formula for the Green Bay Packers, I have my concerns because the last Super Bowl and the only Super Bowl that Aaron Rodgers has won, he had the second-best defense in the NFL. This season, they have the 17th-ranked scoring defense in the NFL. Now, if I say Josh Allen and the Bills can win the Super Bowl, I also think I have to agree on the Packers because they're kind of in the same boat defensively, I would say, as pass rush, but the Packers definitely don't have the secondary that the Bills do. Now, I'll give Jair Alexander his credit. He is... I think the best cornerback in football outside of Trey White, uh, Darnell Savage and Adrian Amos have been okay this season, but there's a clear difference in those defenses. Offensively, there are not many I'm taking over the Green Bay Packers. I think the Kansas City Chiefs would be the only offense I'd take. Aaron Rodgers, again, he protects the football. He 
He doesn't turn it over. He scores. He's perfect. Him and Devontae Adams are the best duo in football, and they can run the ball. Aaron Jones, 800 yards, seven touchdowns this season. They've been great at it. But uh, there are concern- there have been some concerning performances. The Colts, their offensive, their defensive line got pressured. I know the Packers put up 31 points, but when you get this pressure home to Rodgers, he's crumbled a little bit. We saw the game against the Buccaneers. We saw uh, when they don't win the turnover battle against the Vikings. They're... Every year, even last year, Carson, you saw in those tight games against the Redskins, against, uh, there were some other ones. There's been, there are a lot of concerning games every single year with Matt LaFleur where the Packers just don't show up. That game this year was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I think they can win a Super Bowl, but if I had to place my bets, I think the Packers come out and have a dud uh, like they do, you know, regularly. I think they come out and put one up. So they can because of this offense, but... They've been a little inconsistent this year, although these last three weeks they have been dominant. I think it's very possible that we see a repeat of last year's Packers where they are great in the regular season and then we see their flaws exposed in the playoffs like we saw them exposed against a great regular season defense and team. Last year it was the Niners, this year maybe it was the Bucks. because you talk about when you get pressure on Rodgers, there are many situations in which he is Arguably the best quarterback in football. In red zone scenarios, he is absolutely incredible. I don't know how many of his touchdowns have come in the red zone this year. It feels like at least half of them are just after long, composed drives down the field. He punches it in. I think that when it comes to just sitting in a clean pocket and making accurate, quick decisions and great throws, he is absolutely maybe the best in football. But when you get pressure after him, he is not quite the quarterback that he used to be, and that's not to say that he's incompetent. That is just to say that there is a roadmap to explode to exposing a flaw that wasn't there previously, and I think we totally saw that in the Bucs game, which will continue to stay in my mind. And also, this team really hasn't had many quality wins, which was the case last year as well when they were an elite regular season team. They've only beaten one team with a winning record this entire season, and that is the New Orleans Saints, who really were coming into their own, and they do have a couple of concerning losses, like against the Vikings, like that blowout loss to the Bucs. At the same time, they are a really good football team, and this is a year when basically every team, maybe even the Chiefs, is flawed, and that's kind of just how the NFL works. So I think, yes, they can win a Super Bowl. The offense is potent enough. When you have Aaron Jones and that kind of running attack and Aaron Rodgers throwing 39 touchdowns to four interceptions, you got to feel good about your chances, but there are still flaws to be exposed. They are imperfect. They're one in three in games where they have a turnover, a single turnover. They are one in three, and Rodgers may be the best in football history at keeping the ball away from the other team, but you can't tell me that against a playoff defense, that formula is going to hold for four games. That seems pretty unlikely to me. And the defense, the pass rush is solid. I don't think it's quite as imposing as it was last year with the Smith brothers. They have 35 sacks. It's just a pretty average defense all around. So, The Packers are a really good, flawed team that, yes, can do it, but I certainly wouldn't bet on it. And I just want to put a stat to what you said, Carson. This red zone offense is the best in the league. It's it's no competition. They are 77.1% red zone percentage, 37 touchdowns, and 48 tries. It's when they get there, they're getting scored on. Yeah, and that is... Just part of what makes Aaron Rodgers so great. When he's comfortable, when he's in control of the game, he is unstoppable. We'll see if he can remain in that mode for the four games that it takes to win a Super Bowl this year, though. Or maybe three if they secure the one seed. Okay. Speaking of the NFC's elite, the New Orleans Saints, Logan, a fascinating team this season. Can they win the Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, 
I think they can. The Saints have always been up there. We've seen how close they've gotten in these years previous, and I think it's been with a formula that they've established. Their defense is going to dominate, and Drew Brees has to keep them uh, in contention. As for Brees this year, you talk about how his yards per attempt uh, are down. They are. He doesn't throw a whole lot of deep balls, but it works. When you've got guys like Kamara and Thomas, you can do that because – they just need space. Uh, Breeze this year, 18 touchdowns, three picks. If they can follow that formula, if Kamara can get the run game going, and I see no reason why not. As for their defense, some stats here. Fourth-ranked scoring defense, fourth-ranked passing defense, second-ranked rushing defense, and seventh uh, in turnovers forced, or ninth in sacks. They're elite. This is a top-10, top-5 defense paired with weapons like Kamara, Thomas, Breeze. This formula has failed in the past three years. They have gotten so close every single season, but... Yeah, the Saints can do it because we've seen them do it in years past. They can win a playoff game, and they're some of the closest plays in NFL history away from being uh, in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I think that uh, the Saints can win it this year. This is a really close one for me. I'm actually going to say no, and the primary reason for that is I just don't trust the quarterback situation enough, even if Breeze is healthy, which he appears to be because he will be returning to action this weekend after we had a few weeks of fun Taysom Hill football. And... This offense does move effortlessly a great deal of the time, even if they're not having a dynamic day throwing the football because they can do so much damage on the run. They have such great weapons when it comes to screen game or if it's the slant man, Michael Thomas. Breeze doesn't have to do all that much, but I really do look at the quarterback situation when I think about teams that can hang with, ultimately, the Kansas City Chiefs because that is the bar to me. It's can you beat the Chiefs reasonably? And the Saints certainly have some advantage in that respect, a strong secondary, a really strong pass rush, a defense that has been absolutely stifling, has allowed 16 points once in the past six weeks. That's completely ridiculous. They have been suffocating teams. However, they have not and will not until they face them themselves seen anybody like the Kansas City Chiefs who by the way they are about to play so we will see how they fare in that matchup and I think that that will be telling there's certainly an argument to be made because you get pressure on Mahomes you limit turnovers on your end you move the ball you control the clock and maybe you can beat this team but it's just hard for me to see them sustaining four games of that with Breeze at quarterback right now the numbers may tell you that he's still able to control games and that he's not going to turn the ball over and that is true but I don't feel great about him going out and winning his team a game right now and I think that that's what you have to do in these playoffs at some point because as good as your defense may be and the Saints has been absolutely among the league's best over these past six weeks might have been the league's best you need to go out there and put up a ton of points at some point in a playoff run right now because we have so many high octane offenses and I don't really like the Saints to do that compared to some of the other teams okay the Los Angeles Rams Logan a team that has gone up and down this year a little bit can they win the Super Bowl this is this was the toughest one uh, that I think we're we're going to discuss today, Carson. I am going to go with no because Jared Goff, you're not going to fool me once again. Uh, I think he limits this team on what he can do. He's he just he's a turnover machine. Uh, he threw the game against the San Francisco 49ers. The uh, Javon Kinlaw pick six, the fumble, the other interception. I mean, you just can't have that, and it's sad because this Rams defense, as we have discussed on this show, Carson is top three in football. Uh, The third-ranked overall scoring defense, the first-ranked second-half scoring defense, teams just don't put up points coming out of the break on the Rams. They have the third-ranked rushing defense and the first-ranked passing defense. Uh, They're third in sacks and they're sixth in turnovers. This defense is awesome, but offensively, if Cam Akers is not going like we saw against the Patriots, 171 yards torching them, 
if the Rams have a reliable run game, I think they'll win the football game because it takes the pressure off of Jared Goff. They can chew up some clock with this great defense. They can play that stylistic football. But this team is, and this is for all playoff teams, the worst by turnovers. Uh, eighth, uh, eighth worst in the NFL, 21 total this season, 11 picks, 10 fumbles. That's not sustainable. If you turn the ball over, you will lose in the playoffs, and that has been the Rams' Achilles heel all season long. They just can't protect the ball. So uh, I'm going to go with no. I don't think they can win the Super Bowl. I think Jared Goff has been a little too inconsistent for me to rely on them, but uh, this defense is definitely Super Bowl caliber. I don't think that they can win it either, and I touched on the key number with the Saints. You need to win four playoff games to win the Super Bowl this year, certainly if you're the L.A. Rams because you're not going to lock up the one seed, and I think there's a reason that this team hasn't won four straight because they have two turnovers and a defense collapse against the Bills, and then their offense sputters against the Niners, and then they have four turnovers against the Dolphins, and then they have four turnovers against the Niners. Again, I will not trust Jared Goff to play four games of pretty much errorless football, which is what will be required. They have a turnover in every single game. As you mentioned, their 21 turnovers are 25th in the league, and that's really what it comes down to. Other than that, this is a loaded roster and you talk about getting pressure on Mahomes rushing four I cannot think of a better group to achieve that formula at a high level than the guys that the Rams have right now they have been an incredible pass rush and obviously the secondary is playing at a really high level as well but that all kind of becomes moot when you have a guy who is eventually going to lose you a game and it's a shame to see how Jared Goff's career has progressed where he doesn't look as comfortable throwing the ball downfield anymore, and at the same time, he's turning the ball over more than ever. It's just a confusing decline that he has had, and I don't know how much longer he's going to be the Rams guy, and maybe that's a discussion for a different time because just because he hasn't fallen off as precipitously as Carson Wentz doesn't mean he's not worth taking a good hard look at. So this is a great all-around football team. I think that they are also pretty much on the cusp of this conversation. In a lot of ways, to me, they are similar to the Saints, but the difference is Breeze isn't really going to lose you games. It's just hard for me to imagine him going out there and heroically winning you one at this point. Jared Goff will lose you a game, and at some point, that is going to be this team's undoing. Let's stick in the NFC West with a team that has also been rather tumultuous this season, the Seattle Seahawks. Can they win the Super Bowl, Logan? I'm going to go with no, and I wanted to do a little bit of research uh, and figure out uh, how bad, a, you know, what's the worst pass defense that has won a Super Bowl? And the most recent one I could find was the 2011 Giants. They went 9-7. and seven. They had the 29th ranked pass defense. Uh, they were allowing 255 yard uh, passing yards per game. Comparative to the Seahawks, they have the dead last pass defense, 32nd ranked, 294 yards per game. That is insane. Uh, Eli Manning was fourth in passing that year. Russell Wilson was fourth in passing this year. Honestly, Carson, if the Seahawks ended up getting to the Super Bowl, I wouldn't be that surprised. That offense is just built to put up points, and if they did that in four consecutive games, we've seen the Seattle Seahawks rattle it off. They have the propensity to do it. That being said, no, I'm not trusting this defense in four straight games. They have improved in the sack regard. We've seen Jamal Adams on a lot more blitzes recently. We've seen Carlos Dunlap uh, force his hand. They're eighth in sacks this season for a team that wasn't getting a lot of pressure at the start. So they've improved in that regard, but... Uh, their pass defense is just horrendous. Uh, we've seen this running game pick up as well, over 100 yards rushing in the last two games, and they're a really good scoring offense when they get in the red zone. They're sixth in the red zone percentage, but when you have a pass defense this bad, I just I can't trust you to defend the best air attacks in the NFL uh, for four consecutive games, so I'm going to go with no. Also, what a nightmare game that would be, Carson. If the Seahawks got to the Super Bowl against the Chiefs, good one. 
this is a confounding team because we know how they started the season where they were just this unstoppable offensive machine and it was really all Russell Wilson consistently putting up 30 plus against every team he faced and now the last few weeks the offense hasn't been quite as dynamic outside of a trouncing of the Jets but the defense has been improved. The pass rush has gotten better with the addition of Carlos Dunlap and the pass defense. They have allowed over the last three weeks 180, 100, and 116 passing yards. Now, that is to the Eagles, Giants, and the Jets, so that is very significant. Those are three of the worst passing attacks in football, but they have progressed in that respect, and the run game has also gotten better. So, in some ways, I don't know what to make of this team. I'm going to say, no, they can't do it, and Maybe that runs counter to what I just talked about because it does seem like they have gotten stronger in the dimensions of this team outside of Russell Wilson at the same time he's come back to earth. So maybe this should be yes because if there's anyone I'm going to bet on to go on a supernova stretch for four games and just play out of his mind, it is Russell Wilson. And that was my argument for this team for so much of the season. It's just really hard for me to see them doing that through the entire NFC and then him also outdoing the Kansas City Chiefs. So maybe they can get to the Super Bowl. I'm certainly not going to count that out just because every single NFC team is significantly flawed in some way. Maybe you could argue the Packers aren't, but I still think that, again, we haven't seen them do it against the best competition. But the Seahawks are really good. I just don't think that they're good enough all around. And you talk about the pass defense that is historically bad, again, has come along, but still not good enough probably and this team just has too many flaws at the end of the day let's talk about a team that has at some points been very flawed this season and has at others been basically perfect playing just freight train football mowing teams over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Logan can they win the Super Bowl yeah I mean when you have Tom Brady back there I always have to say yes you can win the Super Bowl I'll never count out the Buccaneers uh, I think that uh, we've seen when their running game sputters when they get pressure home to Brady. They struggle to win football games, but when Rojo's going, when the pass game is, uh, when they're getting it out to AB and getting their weapons involved, uh, they win football games. But defensively, uh, this is a suffocating run defense with Levante David and Devin White. Uh, they have their first in rushing defense, their fourth in sacks. They get a lot of pressure. Uh, the problem for Tampa Bay this season has been their back line sometimes, Jamel Dean, Antoine Winfield, these young cornerbacks just being out of position and messing up, uh, just not making plays, just letting guys score on them. Um, so their pass defense has been a problem, and that definitely concerns me, but this is a really well-rounded football team that I think game-to-game -game could compete with anybody in the NFL, so I'm never going to count the Buccaneers out of any game. I mean, I think that they can Toe-to-toe, -to -toe, I think they can play football with any team. I would maybe argue this is the most well-rounded football team in the NFL just because I think game-to-game, -game, they can they can stop you in the pass, they can stop you in the run, they can also run it down your throats and pass it really well. Um, if they protect well in the playoffs, if Tom Brady does not turn the ball over like we've seen uh, other quarterbacks do with Bruce Arians, I think this team has got a really good shot. Uh, but yes, they can win the Super Bowl. I can see this team easily rattling off four straight. Although I think that the... Saints, Seahawks, and Rams are all definitively better teams than the Bucks right now, and I said no to all of them. I'm going to say yes to Tampa Bay because right now this is a team that has lost three of five games with a quarterback who can't consistently throw deep with accuracy, who can't combat pressure effectively, and has just tremendously struggled in those situations this year. But the best-case scenario is so enticing for so many of the reasons that you touched on. It's an elite pass rush with JPP, Shaq Barrett, and the crew. It's a great linebacking core with the guys you already touched on. It is a solid secondary, and 
that does determine the ceiling of this team to some extent because when the secondary was balling out, they looked almost unstoppable. And now that they've come back to earth, we have seen some more flaws exposed. But I think that maybe they level out somewhere in the middle and then they are not going to really hold this team back. And then on the offensive end, it's insane weapons, obviously. The, probably the greatest crew of names that we will ever have in NFL history. All of them at least reasonably close to their primes as well. Obviously, AB is not what he was a couple years ago. Gronk, although he has been really good, is not peak Gronk. But the names are incredible, and they are all still good football players. And it's an efficient passing game. It's a strong run game. Ronald Jones has been really good at a lot of points throughout this season. And the turnover bug has bit Brady hard, and he has gone into desperation mode trying to win them some games. He has just made some flat-out bad throws. He has made some really bad decisions we don't normally see from him. However, I do think... This team is going to be picking up steam, heading into the playoffs. They just picked up a pretty decisive win over the Vikings, and now they have the Falcons twice and the Lions. They should win all of those games, be coming in on a four-game win streak after their bye and can maybe put some of the uglier losses, like against the Chiefs where they really struggled early or like against the Saints where they looked absolutely disastrous in the past in the rearview mirror and go ahead and really realize the best version of football that they are capable of. And if that happens, yes, this is a team that can win the Super Bowl. I don't know who would have thought it after the Fournette signing, but I'm glad you bring up Rojo Carson. He's fifth in rushing right now in the NFL with 900 yards. I mean, he has been he's been the reason that the Buccaneers have been able to run the football at all. Fournette has been a huge letdown this entire season. And he's been utilized more in the receiving game than anything as far as Fournette, which you wouldn't have necessarily expected, but getting very few touches on the ground because Jones has been so impressive. So, the best version of this team is a scary monster that I don't think really many teams want to face at all. Now, the worst version of this team we've already seen against the New Orleans Saints, and it was very, very ugly. But I think that they are more likely to trend in the right direction than in the wrong direction. And even if they don't, all we're saying is that they have the potential, and I do think they have the potential. Last team here in this part of the discussion, the Baltimore Ravens. Logan, can they win the Super Bowl? Uh, no, and... I the Ravens are just such a confusing team because they have a suffocating defense. I mean, against the run, there's... I, I know the Buccaneers, numbers-wise, statistically, are a better run defense. I don't want to go up against the Ravens at all. But when they stack the box, and you can have Ngakaway basically on a tight end every play because you have such a dominant interior force in Calais Campbell, in, um, in Derek Wolf. I mean, these guys... It's just scary. They, they can suffocate teams. And then when you get onto the running game, Lamar Jackson and them, the number one rushing attack in football, Gus Edwards, J.K. Dobbins, uh, such a deep backfield. These things are all great. They're, they're good at controlling the football. And even against the Browns, which was extremely surprising, if you had told me the Ravens were going to put up 47 points in a game this season, I would have told you you were crazy. Uh, so... I just think that the passing attack isn't where it needs to be for this team to win a Super Bowl. They've got the defense, I think, there, uh, even on the backside with a guy like Marlon Humphrey holding stuff down. But this passing attack just isn't there. I can't trust a rushing team to go and win the Super Bowl. This team's uh, the most passing yards Lamar has gone for this season, 270 in their opener against Cleveland when they put up 38. They haven't smelt that total this entire season. They've been focused on the run. So I think this team can win a playoff game, but I am not trusting a run heavy team to win a Super Bowl in the modern era they just in late game scenarios you have to drive down the field and they did it against the Browns I'll give him his credit Lamar got uh what he needed out of him but they're just not consistent enough through the air 
I completely agree, and I think if there's one key number, this team is 31st in passing yards, and they have more yards on the ground than through the air. You don't see that. Now, I think that part of that speaks to the fact that they have maybe the best running quarterback of all time and the best running attack maybe when you include Lamar in the NFL, but I, like you, don't think you can win a Super Bowl with that kind of passing game. It's the reason I'm skeptical of teams like the Titans and the Browns, who frankly might be better off as far as throwing the football right now. And although Lamar had an exceptional year as far as passing last season when he led the league in touchdowns with 36 and only threw six picks, he hasn't come close to replicating that this season, just 18-7. to The yards per game are down to 185, and I think that we've already seen him be stifled in playoff situations when he has to go out there and actually throw the ball and win his team's games in that respect. So I just don't really see it happening. I think that as far as complete roster, this team is absolutely one of the best in football. The defense that you touched on is ridiculous when they are firing on all cylinders and they're really good all around. But there's a reason this formula didn't work last year, didn't come close to working at the level you would have expected from an all-time great regular season team. And I think we're going to see the same thing happen this year. They'll be 11 and 5. They'll be on a big win streak. They'll have had some impressive performances like that one against the Browns. And we're just going to see it come crashing down when you go down early in a game and you can't come back and win the football game like that. Okay, last team here, staying in the AFC North, the Pittsburgh Steelers, a squad that a couple weeks ago it would have seemed pretty obvious to say, yes, they can, considering they were undefeated at that point. But they've slipped a little bit as of late. Logan, can they win the Super Bowl? Yeah, after these last four weeks, uh, I'm going to go with no, Carson. I don't think the Steelers team can win a Super Bowl. And uh, I just got some some really interesting numbers from the Steelers offense this year. 31st in rushing yards, 31st in rushing yards per attempt. And even worse, my favorite stat, 32nd in passing yards per completion. I mean, this is a quarterback, Big Ben, that led the, uh, led the NFL in yards per attempt and in yards per completion before in 05 and 10. This is, Carson, that game against the Bills last week, 3.6 yards per attempt was Ben's final number. That is the third lowest in his career. 3.53 yards per attempt in Week 7 against Tennessee. That is the second lowest single-game total in his career. Uh, 6.3 yards per attempt this year is the lowest Ben has ever had. I mean, it doesn't make sense, this change that we have had in offensive... um, uh, stylistically, just how our offense runs, our passing attack works. I will give Finkner his credit. This system, this approach is good for keeping QBs upright, for limiting interceptions, and completing a high percentage of passes. 11 sacks this season is a career low for Ben. Nine interceptions is a second lowest career low for Ben. A quarterback that has led the uh, led the NFL in interceptions twice, but and we even have the best sack percentage this year. Our offensive line has been great in the passing attack because we get rid of the ball so fast. But the issue... Teams have scouted us now, Carson. When we have four offensive plays, when we run a power O, slants, and curls every single play on offense, it's not a hard offense to scout. Teams at week 13 and week 14 in the uh, week 15 in the season, they know what we're running, Finger. Uh, handcuffing Ben Roethlisberger with a bad running game is not the solution. I at least knew back when we had A.B. and Bell, yeah, we had weapons. I at least knew that we would air it out and we would have a chance every single game because Ben Roethlisberger would either throw you into it with four touchdowns or he'd throw you out with five interceptions. And at this point in the year, I'd rather just put the game in Ben's hands and let him see what we can do. If he throws it away, so what? We weren't going to win with this passing attack anyway. We throw it three yards per attempt. You're not winning any football games like that. This has just been an embarrassing attack uh, offensively, and that's what's handcuffing this team. This is one of the best defenses in football. We're missing two linebackers. Um, 
Either way, after these last four weeks, Carson, this offense is too poor to win a Super Bowl. This this team is too poor to win a playoff game. If they open things up a little bit more through the air and are more aggressive downfield, and Ben is not just throwing screens and balls at the line of scrimmage, but is throwing 15, 20 yards downfield consistently, does that change your answer? Yes. I, just because we are trying things offensively. Carson, I haven't seen this offense go deep game to game since... Philadelphia, since Tennessee, games where I was confident that, oh, I mean, we got this because we are taking shots downfield. I haven't seen that offense. After Dallas, this has been a different offense. So if, yeah, I mean, if we're taking shots, if Claypool's getting a, Carson, we just have at this point with a bad rushing attack, teams can stack the box and just take our running game away because they know we're not going downfield. At least by taking a shot to Claypool, they might have to spread their defense out a little bit to open the running game up. I... Yeah, if we do that, I think it can open it up. But it's got to be quick. Three weeks left. If we see the same offense, my hopes for this season are down the drain. So I am actually going to say, this is a really close one for me, yes, the Steelers can. And the reason for that is I see the potential within this team. It's what we were just talking about, Logan. You said that if they open things up more, they can do it. And I'm going to hold out for some reality in which that is possible because there has been a shift here now. Ben wasn't turning the ball over when they were in some ways being more aggressive earlier in the year, and now the turnovers have started to kick up. I think it's really unlikely. I think they are the last team that I would say can win it, but when you have this kind of pass rush, when you have this kind of defense, and yes, obviously, the Bud Dupree loss hurts in a big way there. He's your second-best pass rusher and is an absolute menace for any offensive line to have to face, but there's so much talent for this team offensively. Again, I totally understand the frustration. I totally understand why the anti-Steelers narrative has developed. This offense is ridiculously conservative right now. It is laughable how much of this is predicated upon just screens and, okay, let's try to get the ball to our weapons in space. But at some point, you got to get the ball to your weapons in space down the field. And maybe Ben can't make the requisite throws. He's looked a little bit sketchy at times. He did not look great throwing the ball downfield against the Bills. He had a couple just big misses, missed opportunities there, a pretty bad interception where he just really misanticipated the throw. But in this team's best case scenario, they are the kind of squad that can actually hold the Chiefs to, say, 20 points, and that gives you the window to win that game even if your offense isn't great, which has been the case for the Steelers, because there is a world in which it's good enough in my eyes. And I am obviously not as high on them as I was. I still think they're a top five team in football. I'm not quite as cold on them as some other people are. I disagree with you flat out. I think they can win a playoff game. That doesn't mean I don't think they're flawed. I just think the point that they came from to where we are now disappointed was a really, really high stature to where people were talking about maybe can they beat the Chiefs and they're far from perfect. Ben needs to come away along. Randy Finkner needs to have some real realizations about himself. But there is talent within this team. So that wraps up that segment. Let's get into award tour. It's a personal favorite here. We hand out awards to the most deserving candidates of the past week. I'm going to kick things off with the Bobo the Clown Award, which goes to John Gruden for calling a run that lost yards on second and goal in overtime when they were situated at the one or the two. Then, this was perplexing, starting in a heavy set on third and five, suddenly emptying the backfield except for your fullback, then rolling Marcus Mariota out to the opposite side of the only legit receiving threat on the field in Darren Waller, who was immediately taken out of the play entirely, then basically throwing the ball into the dirt, and then kicking a field goal 
when your defense had barely gotten a stop all day and a tie does nothing for you, it removes you from the playoff equation. And then unsurprisingly, not only did they let up a field goal, they let up a touchdown. You are Bobo the Clown, John. Carson, uh, my next award is actually the Bobo Clown Award uh, as well. And I'm awarding it uh, to you and me both uh, for you starting Nelson Aguilar in your fantasy game, uh, your fantasy championship this week, Carson. I deeply apologize if I had known that Derek Carr, if I was clairvoyant and knew that he was going to suffer a groin injury, I probably would have told you to start both Steelers receivers. Uh, Aguilar was cold, Darren Waller was the clear target all night for Marcus Mariota and their Raiders rushing attack. Uh, I assume he got you no points, correct? That is correct, but the good news, Logan, is that I do have Darren Waller, so I'm really not that upset about it because he compensated for both of them. I didn't even know. This is a huge win. Never mind. I give you the King Award. You're going to win. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I was texted by my opponent. He said, I am a dead man. Waller is killing me, so let's go. Championship bound. I'm going to give the Earning His Advertisements Award to Baker Mayfield for helping the Browns put up 42 points with 343 passing yards and two touchdowns. He has been playing much better lately, so now all of the commercials that we see him in that seem really unearned at this point, they're making a little bit more sense. He's playing some good football, and that quarterback class is all around coming into form, except for the guys who were the two most hyped-up prospects for the longest time in Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold. My next award is the Worst Revenge Game Ever Award, and I'm giving that to Andy Dalton for his performance against his former team, the Cincinnati Bengals. 185 yards and two touchdowns. Yes, the Cowboys get the 30-7 win, but he was outthrown by Brandon Allen. Uh, with weapons like Amari Cooper, uh, Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, I was hoping for a little more out of Dalton against his old team, but, you know, he gave me the old Andy Dalton stat line. 16-23, under 200, no picks. The Inspiring Story of 2020 Award goes to the Washington football team, who remain such an amazing storyline. And Logan, props to you for calling them out as the winner out of the NFC East quite some time ago, which it now looks like they'll be earning their fourth straight win with a 23-15 dub over the Niners. With Ron Rivera, with Alex Smith, I don't know what there is not to love this team with the fact that they don't have any sort of mascot or team name. It's just incredible all around. Go football team. The final award, you know what it is. It's the Paul Pierce Award, and I'm giving it to Lamar Jackson. You know exactly why. I need no explanation. Lamar Jackson, uh, after handling his business uh, in the locker room, came out and put on a, uh, a historic effort to go and win that game against the Browns late. Um, just a, That is the, Carson, I'm not going to lie, that is one of the greatest football games I've ever watched. That was an incredible performance, and the play that Lamar made on fourth where he sells everybody on the run everybody and then makes that throw on the move that was incredible that was a great dime and just an all-around awesome football game I completely agree we've got some great primetime games lately okay so that's gonna do it for award tour now let's get into over under another pretty self-explanatory favorite here I throw out a number for this week's coming games you say if you think it will be over or under the number that I have given Patrick Mahomes over under 300 yards versus the New Orleans Saints um, I'm going to take the over here. Uh, he's got two top five receivers in the NFL this season in Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. I know the Saints have been stout all season long against the pass and the run, but, I mean, it's Patrick Mahomes. I, I got to think that he goes over 300. I think in a vacuum, Carson, I don't know how you feel. I think any game over or under 300 with Patrick Mahomes, I'm probably just going to take the over because it's a safe bet. I pretty much agree. He has six straight in which he's eclipsed 300. The Saints, on the other hand, haven't allowed 300 yards all year, which is why this is a compelling question. But give me the offense. Give me the best player in football. I think he does it. He has been 
outside of really the Denver game where he still put up his numbers, he's been pretty remarkable, and actually last week. So he has shown some cracks in the armor, but still the best player in football, and I'm going to bet on him just about every time. Okay, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, over-under, 150 combined rushing yards versus the Giants this week. Uh, I'm going to take the over here. They almost did it last week against the Ravens with a uh, really convincing rushing attack. They also have six straight 100-yard rushing games. Um, I I think the Giants are on... I'm not going to say a downward turn. I think they are, though. I I think the Giants are playing a little more bit to where we saw them before the season. Also, they only had a a really close finish against the Seahawks, which got their uh, team moving. So uh, I think they come back down to earth again this week against the Browns. I think the Browns kind of dominate this game with their rushing attack. Uh, The Cardinals lit up the Giants last week on the ground, and I think we see uh, more of the same uh, for the Browns against New York. I'm going to go over as well. Although the Giants have the 7th-ranked run defense and a pretty solid front, I just think Kareem and uh, Nick Chubb are absolutely insane, and the Browns are going to be leading for the majority of this game, which means that they can just run the ball down their throats even more. So I'm going to bet on, again here, the better offense and the best players on the field. Okay, over-under, Logan. The Patriots, 20 points scored versus the Miami Dolphins. This is such a tough one because... Three touchdowns seems pretty easy to get because uh, this Patriots attack has been decent at points. If they get Cam Newton in the red zone, as long as they don't run a QB draw, uh, four straight plays, I think they'll probably get up to 21. I'm going to take the under, though. I mean, we saw them put up three last week against the Rams. We saw them put up 45 against the Chargers. It's just a confusing team. Um, I'm going to go under, though, just because the Dolphins' defense has come up with clutch turnovers when they've needed them. They're great at getting pass breakups, and they're great at getting pressure. This Dolphins' defense has been one of the best at keeping teams out of the red zone. I project a little more um, in this game against the the Patriots, so I'm going to take the under. The Patriots have been as confusing as they come. They've leveled off somewhere between the 3 and 45 point performance at 21.3 per game on the season, which is their scoring average. The Dolphins opposite them allow just 18.8, which is obviously an elite number. I am going to go over. This was a really tough one as well. I might have gone push if I had the option to, but the reason is... The Dolphins' pass defense has been insane this year. The secondary, you acknowledge as the best in football. They are second in the league in touchdowns allowed and interceptions forced, both of those being 16. But the run defense is pretty mediocre. They've allowed 1,563 yards and 14 touchdowns on the ground, including 217 versus the Pats in the season opener. And I think we have seen... New England's favored formula, if they're going to have a dominant offensive day, is going to be predicated on the ground. It's going to be Damian Harris dominating teams, and it's going to be Cam dominating teams on the ground as well. And so I think that that does work to the Pats' advantage. I would still take the Dolphins to win this game. I don't think the Pats go much over 20, but I do think that that matchup makes it so I will give them the slight edge there. Okay, over under Logan, Washington football team, three sacks versus the Seattle Seahawks. They didn't get any against Pittsburgh. They got four against the 49ers. I'm going to take the over here just because of how spotty Seattle's pass blocking has been this year. And uh, honestly, uh, like you touched on, Carson, with the football team, I think they have a top two, top three defensive line in football. I don't know how you have that much talent. Chase Young, Jonathan Allen, Montez Sweat. Uh, Honestly, with how bad Seattle has been this year at times, I think they hound uh, Russell. I think this is closer to five or six. And also, Logan, young talent. If the football team gets the right quarterback in place there down the line, this could be a team we're talking about for quite some time. I'm going to take the over as well. This is a relatively easy one in my opinion. 
The football team, 40 sacks, fourth in the league. The Seahawks, 40 sacks allowed, fourth worst in the league. I would say, don't be surprised if the football team wreaks havoc and goes out and wins this game. I think there's a formula for them to do it. They have been playing really good football these past few weeks, and I think there was one point at which I said that the NFC East had three of the eight worst teams in football. The football team has completely separated themselves from that conversation. They are legit. They are probably not going to be the worst playoff team in the NFC. I think I would take them over the last wild card with the way that they've been playing lately. What? Dude, I think I would. If it's going to be them versus the Cardinals, I don't know. It's tough to bet against Kyler Murray in that offense, but the football team doesn't have that much difficulty moving the ball because they have so many weapons, and yeah, it's a lot of dink and dunk, and Alex Smith isn't doing anything exceptional, but they don't really get shut down on that end. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be a little tougher this week with Dwayne Haskins at QB, but if they have Alex Smith for the playoffs, you know what? I think they may be. I think they are close. I think a game between the Cardinals and football team would be uh, pretty competitive if we saw Smith and Murray, but you make a good case. Yeah, and I agree. I will say that if it is Dwayne Haskins, then I will not bet on the football team. However, it doesn't really seem like Alex Smith is going to be out for that long because he said that he feels all right recently and it was just uncertain that he could play this week and then now he has officially been ruled out. That doesn't seem to me like a long-term thing, although sometimes these injuries do linger. Okay, Logan, last over-under here. Sam Darnold, half a touchdown versus the Rams, over or under? Maybe maybe I go under just because I want to see it. Um, the Rams' defense certainly has the propensity for it. Uh, we've talked about how dominant they have been on the scoring defensive end, just the best in football. And Sam Darnold's been held out of the end zone in uh, five games uh, through the air. He's been held out of four total. The Jets' offense has been held to three points or less in three different games this year. Honestly, we could have asked Jets over or under three points and I might have taken the under with how bad their offenses have been so this one isn't too tough I'm going to take the under for Sam Darnold uh zero touchdowns is my prediction against the Rams I'm actually going to take the over although you mentioned the stat about Darnold where he's had five games this season where he's been held out of the end zone through the air those five games are out of his last six so he has only stumbled even more as far as his efficacy through the air only five passing touchdowns all year to nine interceptions while the Rams have allowed just 14, been absolutely stifling. But I am going to go with the over here. It just feels to me like at some point he's got to get one. He's not the worst quarterback that we've ever seen. He may be in the worst situation we've ever seen. But I don't know, man. It's hard for me to imagine another performance in which he doesn't score once, especially if maybe the Rams are, have just completely blown this thing open, which I'm expecting, and they start playing slightly softer coverage and maybe Darnold scores that way. I just feel like at some point he's got to get a little lucky. Okay. Real quick here, we're not going to go through it in great detail like we do occasionally, but we do still have to address our weekly power rankings here. So, Logan, why don't you just run down the teams that you have 10 through 1, and maybe if anything really stands out in your mind, make a quick point about it. Uh, at 10, I've got the Colts. At 9, I've got the Ravens. 8, I've got the Seahawks. Barely above them, I've got the Rams. That one's close. I just trust the Rams' defense a little more than the Seahawks' offense at this point in the season. I've got the Bucks at 6. Again, I just think they're a well-rounded team. 5, I've got the Saints over them because of what the Saints did to the Buccaneers. And then my top 5. At 4, I've got Pittsburgh with their offensive inefficiency. Uh, another shaky week against Cincinnati, and I think they could drop. And then I've got Green Bay, Buffalo, and Kansas City as my top 3 teams. Uh, Carson, you talk about Buffalo as the number two team in football after what they did to Pittsburgh I'm on the Buffalo train man 
Okay, we have a lot of similarities. At 10, I have the Colts. I barely took them over the Browns. The Browns offense has been so impressive recently, but the defense has been almost equally unimpressive, and I do think that that is something we have to continue to remember with this team. At 9, I have the Bucks. Talked about the ceiling. They're not close to it yet. At 8, I have the Ravens. At 7, I have the Seahawks. At 6, I have the Rams. At 5, I have the Saints. And then our top four is identical. I have Steelers, Packers, Bills, Chiefs. So, that will do it. We are in for another telling week of football here, and I am very excited. The Buffalo Bills will be having a Saturday afternoon kickoff, which is going to be strange. Hopefully it doesn't throw them off and we see another dominant performance as we have these past couple weeks. So that will do it for us here today. Make sure that you go listen to all of our NBA preview content, which we just banged out in this past week. Plus, go ahead and follow us on Twitter at nerd underscore sesh. Go ahead and follow us on Instagram at nerd sesh and just enjoy the content that we have coming up as well. So I've been Carson Brabber. I have been Logan Camden. And this was NerdSack. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.